Hey team, authority optional, leadership beyond the rulebook. Today we got a Q&A, another write-in from Instagram this time, and their question was about sales. This is goals, practices, behaviors, what are our thoughts and opinions, our experiences on this, and Josh and I go into great length about things that have worked for us, things that we've definitely seen that don't work, and we had a little fun with it. So join us for the show, and uh, please share, talk about this, spread the word, please. We're looking to help people. Well, hello, Josh Lemansky. Hello. I'm going to fight off a toad today. So uh, our audience knows we had some tef- technical difficulties getting started because something's wrong with my microphone, and I'm trying not to throw a fit. <laughs> it's nothing that we did. It's nothing that we did. <laughs> today on Authority Optional, microphone <laughs> reviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give them a chance to fulfill a warranty situation before I go talking any shit. Absolutely. We'll see. Um, so we had another Q&A type situation. We had somebody write in and ask us uh, our thoughts and opinions on sales. Yeah, came in, came in at Authority Optional at Instagram. So if you don't already follow us, please do, at Authority Optional. And uh, spread the word, because we are trying to get more listeners, see if we can get some more people writing in, ideally getting some people calling in, because we really enjoy helping. Um, so the, uh, the query is sales, goals, commissions, everything around that topic. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have a tiny little bit of experience with some of that stuff. We've got some experience with it. I'll say this. I'll, I'll, I'll kick things off with, with this thought. Uh, generally speaking, I enjoy sales. I, I can appreciate sales goals. I'm a competitive person. That gives me yeah. something to chase down. Um, it gives me something to compare myself to others with. It's very obvious um, when you're comparing, you're either selling more than other people or you're not. It's very black and white, and that's great for a competitive person. Um, <laughs> Where we have some other experiences, you can definitely do it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when we talk about a culture, this this may be one of the biggest linchpins in corporate culture in the United States that has destroyed culture across the board. Yeah. Um, and we certainly know of at least one company that did it so wrong, they got their asses hauled through court and paid out cabillions of dollars because of their atrocious sales goals and practices CEOs were fired, uh, CFOs or whoever their right. second in commands were. It's, it's funny because we may we may want to cut this statement out just simply because it, it may make it really easy for people to figure out. But I believe that 5,300 people lost their positions due to their behaviors around sales goals. So what I, I think where, uh, where our opinions are going to be I'll say where our opinions are going to land is kind of like everything else, everything in context, everything in moderation. Uh, Sales goals can be healthy. Every company must sell. Everybody, every company has a product or service that they need to provide. It is imperative. There, nobody, especially if you have a situation where, you know, if you don't have a service that people necessarily need, you must sell. Or if they need it and they don't know you exist, you must sell. So, 
this is a necessity of our current economy. It's certainly a necessity in capitalism. Because of its necessity, <laughs> one should sort of get on board if one is not on board. However, again, everything in moderation, and I believe that there are ways to do it that are effective and create a good environment and can keep things lively and interesting. I will tell you, I'll start off with one opinion right off the bat. In my estimation, customer service and sales do not go together, generally speaking. They can. You can absolutely, and most people try this. Uh, BDCs all across the land have customer service departments set up, and when you go call in to get your problem solved, they're going to try to sell you something. That's, that is generally the formula. In my experience, that's a terrible way to go because the people who are interested in customer service are usually not interested in selling. Just usually. They might take the job because they need a gig. Yeah. And they'll try their hearts out to, uh, to make those goals, or they won't. And then you'll end up having to free up their future because that happens, and that happened a lot where we came from. In my experience, I was hired into a customer service position hired in at the bottom rung, sole contributor. And the reason that I was hired was because I had sales experience. I had sold cars, I had sold yellow page ads. I, I like to say that I sold all the things that everybody hates to buy from other humans. And that experience got me in the door and got me the job as far as I was concerned. And their sales practices and goals were child's play to me. Yeah. Coming from selling high, you know, high, price units like a car any it doesn't even matter what level of car you sell you're selling something that's thousands of dollars and generally is going to cost somebody at least hundreds of dollars a month for a five-year period yeah and and i think it's interesting because in the in the sense of what we're talking about it was really selling a referral wasn't it it was really referring it to the sales group so all you had to do was generate just enough interest for them to even have a question about yeah, it was called a referral, and really, the way it was introduced to me is all we had to do for, for me to get credit, all I had to do was get the customer to say something like, okay, if I mentioned a product and they went, yeah, okay, or, you know, yeah, thanks. Any, any sort of affirmative gave me the ability to tag their account, and then if they were to go buy something down the road, then I would get credit, quote unquote, for that. I made no commission from it because it was not specifically a sales position it was just a position that had sales in it sales goals attached to it i was leaving the competition behind it launched me into leadership all all the things so it, it benefited me this whole setup that they had but they fought the large majority of their customer service agents were clawing for any effort from them like since we're talking about it Using the system that I came up through as an example, the referral, you had you took so many calls in a day, and however many referrals out of those calls, you got basically like one referral per call if that, that was your goal. They were looking for a 30% referral rate. So if you took 100 calls, they wanted you to refer to 30 of those people successfully. They wanted 50, 60, 70% referral rates, and those were pretty easy for me to get. Everybody else, they were banging in the head to try to get 20 or 30. <laughs> and there's a reason for that because they got into customer service. They were not interested in selling. 
So, and then the, in the site that I was in or the department that I was in, they'd gone back and forth. They started out as pure customer service, then they introduced sales and they, it was an uphill battle to get any of those people to sell. Then they started hiring people who had sales experience and then we got great at sales and then they had to take them away again because again, they made some really poor choices with sales goals and practices. Luckily, the department that I was in never really came that close. Like we weren't doing the things that was getting the company in trouble, thankfully, again. But <laughs> you're still gonna fight an uphill battle if you've got people who just want to help. Like that's generally speaking, it, customer service attracts two kinds of people, <laughs> lazy or people who wanna help, and sometimes both. <laughs> I say lazy jokingly, but if you think about it, you're, you're looking for a job where you get to sit on your butt all day in a climate controlled environment, ergonomically set for your standards, all the things. Like it's, it's about as easy as it gets. The only tough part is remembering all the information or remembering where to find the information if you need it. It's not a difficult job. Um, at least it wasn't in my experience and statistically speaking, most people were not a lot of effort to re required to be successful. I'm on a little bit of a diatribe. Feel free to jump in and interrupt or you know it's it's interesting because I'm looking at the the through point for for all of this and I think from the audience's perspective it's important to to maybe back up for a, a quick second and talk through pieces because if you don't do sales and you do customer service and you're hearing this or if you are in tech or IT depending on what kind of team you're leading one thing that I can say is you are always selling something and it's maybe the influence that you have over the culture that you want to see. You might be selling the idea to your team. You know, we had a, a great discussion on the podcast that came out. Um, it, when this comes out, it'll be three or four weeks down the line. But it was, it was regarding you know, information comes out and you have to provide that to your team, and it kind of sucks. And you need to be transparent. You need to be able to sell the idea of your own culture and the fact that this is what we have to work with. So. From what you just said, there's a there's a lot of different pieces with this that I think are important. You're always selling something, even if it's just your idea on how something should work. So don't don't dismiss the the topic here simply because well I don't do sales. Yeah, uh, you're right. We're we're that's sort of the philosophy of things, and I totally agree with you. I think most of the time, and to your point about don't dismiss it, people think a certain thing when they hear sales. They yeah. they they hear yeah. goals. They hear, you know, <laughs> talking to a person and sort of forcing a conversation upon them that they aren't interested in. Somebody's calling in to get their phone service fixed. Some kind of glitch happened in their system. They're not calling with any hope whatsoever that you're going to upgrade their plan. Unless, or, you're, unless you're really, really good at it, which I was. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying the customer. Absolutely The not. customer is not hoping that you no. are going to try to upsell them or upgrade them or sell them an extra service. Or they, They're not, nobody, nobody wants that. I mean, the only people who do are people who don't have anywhere else to turn for companionship. And we certainly handled yeah. some of those phone calls. But generally speaking, nobody, everybody wants to buy. Nobody wants to be sold to. Well, and here's, here's how I want to frame this conversation. Because generally we are talking about management, leadership, relationship, leadership, uh, the things that connect us, these philosophies work, whether it's a sales environment, whether it's that IT team or a customer service team. And the pieces in the background that set things up are very similar. I think where sales is different is the people that you're going to hire. I've had great success on sales teams, both as a salesperson, as a sole contributor and as a manager. 
and it is finding the people who have grit, who are optimistic, mm-hmm. who have no concern if, if somebody doesn't want something. They need to be consistent, forthright. The people that I enjoyed hiring for those roles are ex-military people who were on a team of any kind, sports team, etc., that saw any kind of success because you know there's going to be elements of being able to push through difficult things. They're going to put in the work. They're going to be competitive. And those are the pieces that I think are required. The philosophy pieces as a leader, you're going to see all kinds of parallels from what we've been talking about. But yeah, it takes a certain person to be able to get however many no's it takes to get to the yes. And it takes a certain amount of discipline and understanding right up front. People don't want what you're selling half of the time. At least half the time. So, you know, my experience with the the phone company and working in a utility for almost seven years, I was in a billing department and those people called in. And the reason I was successful was my setup at the beginning. It took me about six months or so. And I figured out that the easiest way to have that conversation at the end was to simply say, Max, when I go in and I figure out what this is, if I see anything else where I could save you some money, I'll make sure that I point these things out. So you only have to call us once. Yep. And then they agreed And now I have the ability to leverage that at the end where I've fixed the billing issue. It's going to come. It's going to go to the right address. Whatever was wrong has been corrected and credited. And now I can say something to the effect of, so Max, when I was talking earlier about if I see anything here, I actually see two or three things that are outdated. You can probably be doing this for a little less money. Can I ask you a couple of quick questions before you go? No, I don't want to save money. I don't want to know anything. And I I literally was in the top 5% nationally. Mm Mm-hmm. And all I was doing was saving people money. And I was I was customer service geared, but I also was tenacious in the fact that I had sales goals and I was competitive and I wanted to be able to put somebody in a better position and give them a better product, a stronger product, better service for a better price. Yeah. And you're you're really the ideal candidate for a customer service slash sales position because you have a couple of things going for you. Number one. You're a super nice person. (laughs) You care about other human beings and their welfare. You're excellent at obtaining permission because it matters a great deal to you. All of these things, if you have a position that is primarily designed for customer service, but you want them to have sales, you want to hire Josh. Like that's, (laughs) you want to clone them and make a hundred of them because you're phenomenal on the phones. Um, But Generally speaking, statistically speaking, that's not how people roll. You can train them. You can teach them these skills. As a matter of fact, you mentioned um, the the asking for permission before you even started servicing the call. That was required when I was coming up through the ranks. You you had to have a version of that. Um, and it had to meet certain standards and couldn't be too tricksy, all the things. We're getting a little, little bit to the weeds here. Yeah. So let's address if you are involved with a company or maybe you own a business or you're near the top of a business or, or whatever. If you, if you have, if you're a leader and you have to deal with sales goals or you're a leader and you love dealing with sales goals, but, but sales goals are involved one way or the other. I have a couple of recommendations and my number one with a bullet is do not keep cranking up the goal. Somebody meets their goal and you're like, well, now you got to hit 110. And now you got to hit 120 once you hit 110. Maybe if the entire team is crushing that goal, that goal is is too flaccid. It needs to actually be. That's that's <laughs> that's one way to say it. Let's, let's rephrase that. We're going to pump that up. Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. If it's flaccid, pump it up. <laughs> 
It's it's true though. If if you have a top team, it it becomes kind of odd. And and we've had some experiences where we're kind of laughable at you know like they would they would make a goal. It's ninety percent. It's like ninety percent of you need to be on the phone for at least ninety percent of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think they eventually raised it to ninety two. My entire team was above probably 94, 95. And as a team, we would be regularly around 96, 97. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if the goal is too easy for your entire team, talk about it in a team meeting, run through it. And, you know, your goal and the corporate goal could could be two separate things. Heaven forbid that the corporate goal that gets you paid is at a level that's lower than what you're capable of. And you all have a growth mindset and you've built this amazing bulletproof team. So yeah, the, the goal for the corporate is 90, but since we want to be number one in the country, can we, we're, we're going to set our goal at 96. So that's, that's if you're, if you have the ability at your level to adjust goals, that's a great way to do it. Looking at this from here, here, let me put it this way. This is a sign that you might be in a company that's headed for headed for a fall if as a corporation they mm-hmm. raise the sales goals because they keep hitting the goals quarterly. So they were shooting for, I'm just going to use super generic numbers, they were shooting for a million in profit and thanks to everybody's killer efforts, they hit a million in profit. Well, guess what? Next quarter we're going for a million and a half. And if you hit a million and a half as a company, well, guess what? We're shooting for two million. I get it. Companies need to grow. But companies also need to understand where is that success coming from. And if you are not willing as a corporation to scrutinize where the effort is coming from, where the success is coming from, because you're going to have – let me finish that sentence. If you're not willing to do that, you're you're doing it wrong. Just like if you're not having any fun, you will, <laughs> you will head for a massive, you won't massive be, fall. You won't be having any fun because you'll be putting people in a position where they have to start working more hours. You're going to have top tier producers that might be able to hit that goal. And your bottom tier producers are now working 50 or 60 hours a week just to try and keep up because and a lot likely of, get fired because they will not yeah, be able to do and, it. And here's the, the real kicker, like your, your bonus structure and your bonus payout. That's one thing. But when we're talking about actually raising that that bedrock level of where performance management is involved and where somebody somebody's job is on the line, you're making and I, and again, we're using nice, beautiful round numbers. Let's say you have a small company and you're making a million dollars in profit and you raise the goal on the person who made you a million dollars last year and they don't hit the basics. So you're going to fire them. Well, you have to because you put it in you've made a policy. Yeah, you don't. And these are the things that rotely lead to burnout across all different kinds of corporations. And it doesn't matter what the performance metric is, if it's a goal, if it's dollars, if it's how many people you talk to, you need to be conscious of the fact that it is not infinite. Somebody's capacity to work and do this is not infinite. There needs to be a line where you say, sweet, uh, that sweet spot of people are putting in effort and they're showing up and they're, they're having to work to, to hit a goal, but not working to the point where they're burning out, you don't raise the goal. You hire more people and you sell more. You clearly have a good product. If it's selling in high in a high ratio, you hire somebody to hit that extra half million or to hit two million. You don't keep the same 10 or 15 people working 70 hours a week. And I have done that in order to make that happen. And 
I left as soon as there was, once I realized what was happening around me and I was working an average of 72 hours a week as a leader, still picking up a pen and writing business, I found the first job that paid me more money and I left. And it didn't matter what the job was, where it was, it paid me more money and it was something where I actually got to see my friends and my family and those other pieces of, we love to talk about work-life balance, but... The, proof, the, the proof's in the pudding. By the way, if you are a corporation and you're running a corporation, what you just described is the least of their worries. Mm -hmm. People getting burnout and leaving and attrition and retention, that is the least of your worries because <laughs> uh, we've been privy to a company that has gone dragged through the mud, clawbacks, millions and millions of dollars paid out. That's really the worst for a company is to have to pay through the nose because Rep on your watch, somebody was cracking whips. Yeah, reputation is the easiest thing to damage mm -hmm. and the most difficult thing to rebuild. And uh, it, it's your frontline employees, it's your customer service agents, your salespeople, the people that are actually talking with your customers on a daily basis, in my opinion, are literally the most important people within your organization, maybe outside of the innovators and creators that make the product that you bring to the world. In light of the fact that we are likely not speaking with this show to CEOs of BDCs, um, I got to imagine the first time, <laughs> let's just say a random happenstance that some CEO of a BDC uh, listens to one of our shows and hears us refer to what is likely to be their company as a big dumb company. I'm sure they like tuned us out <laughs> like, well, I'm done here. So we're probably not talking to CEOs. In light of that, we're probably talking to a lot of the rest of the leadership. Yeah, but are we not talking to CEOs just because of their lack of comfort in these difficult topics where they are? No, I'm saying they're not likely listening. Let me put yeah. it that way. I doubt a CEO is downloading our podcast. And yeah. by the way, prove me wrong, CEO of a BDC who li loves to listen to what I say <laughs> uh, or what we're saying. I would love to hear from you. Please prove me wrong. Please write to us at authorityoptionalpodcast.gmail.com and say, listen, Listen, son, <laughs> I am a CEO of a multi-million dollar corporation, blah, 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 and I listen to your show, so shut the hell up. I'm, I'm listening. I, by all means, please listen. But please prove me wrong is what I was saying. But in light of the fact that our goal is to talk to a lot of middle management and say your life can be a little bit better, <clears throat> we're hoping for incremental improvements. That's what we're about. We want to help you make this path you've chosen, for whatever your reasons, a little bit better, and maybe even a lot better. I've, I've had a conversation on this with somebody recently and, um, you know, just, just through a few text messages and making sure that this individual understands that, uh, you know, I'm not referring to all companies as big, dumb companies. We don't have a paycheck if a company doesn't have a viable product and it's put out in the world and people actually buy it. So we, we don't want to be seen as naive. This is not something that's like, oh yeah, well you, you want to take care of everybody, but the, the profit that actually pays people. We recognize fully that the profit that pays people is a very important piece of a business. It doesn't exist. People can't have a job and health care and, and all of the things that a job can provide for our families. Um, you know, and I'm talking even basics, food, shelter. You have to make money in order for that to happen. So don't see it as naive. But there is a way to strike that balance to where you can create a culture where people can thrive and earn a great living 
And yeah, I think the number one way to mess that up would be to ratchet sales goals beyond a point where they're unobtainable. Unobtainium? Is that what I, yeah. You should. I was just having this thought about the movie Avatar and (laughs) what poor writing it was to call a metal unobtainium. Jesus, how uncreative is that? Okay, here's what I was trying to say. In light I feel of, insulted. I just want to... <laughs> you can. That's fine. I don't think you helped to write Avatar. <laughs> I, I, I'll just say I love James Cameron movies, but Unobtainium? Come on. Yeah, it felt like a cop-out that they forgot to go back and edit. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, exactly what it felt like. Okay, what I'm starting to say. In light of who our target audience is and who is not likely to be listening, it's it's not fair for us to talk about what people who run corporations should do. It's It's... It's going to fall on deaf ears. Yeah. So for those of you who are not running corporations and you are, you are neck deep in sales goals. What I would say instead is watch for the harbingers of doom. And one of those is as a corporation, they jack up the sales goals every single quarter, every single year, whatever, whatever their cadence is, regardless of what individual teams are doing. That's a bad sign, and they're heading for a cliff. Don't be on that wagon with them. If you can help it, if you have the luxury, the privilege, the luck, whatever, if you work for a company that continues to jack up sales goals, and, and here's, here's a barometer. Use your gut, because that's what I experienced. I don't know enough about accounting and finance to know what is a viable raise in goals versus what is a inflationary based or justifiable goal. I don't, I don't know enough about economics or accounting or anything that a CFO knows. I don't know enough to know whether or not it's right. What I can tell you is that it didn't feel right because I had a team when I was running a team of sole contributors that were, they were setting the goals at things like 125%. And then they, we would hit 125%, and then they would ratchet it up to 135 the next the next month, yeah. month over month. They're raising the goal by 10%. We're making them, my team alone, making them hundreds of thousands of dollars in referrals, and that's not good enough. They're raising it every single month. And I was like, well, at some point, I had a team that was at cranking out a 70% referral rate. The company margin that they were hoping for was half that, literally half that. They wanted 35%. My team was doubling and we were barely scraping by at, at the goal because they kept ratcheting it up. We were up to 150, 160% of the goal. That was our goal. So I was like, why are you even having these arbitrary percentage markers at this point? Just tell us to go for whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in the weeds about it. But in my gut, I knew this was unsustainable because my team was doing things that were statistically almost impossible to do. And there was no signs of stopping that the goals were going to go up. If you are in that, that's what I'm saying. Use your gut because you may not know anything about accounting, much like I don't know anything about accounting. But if you're looking at something and going, this this feels shady, this feels yeah. like somebody doesn't know what the hell they're talking about, you're probably right. Yeah. And in there's there's two kinds of instances here. If you're the leader of a business and you have a small team, hopefully you're getting their input on the types of goals. You know, you don't just set an arbitrary goal for the year and say, hey, we did a half a million dollars in, in gross business last year. I want to hit three quarters of a million this year. 
talk to the team, talk about where it came from, talk about what they're capable of. Yep. You know, if a, if a CFO is, in my opinion, savvy, they're not doing a, a blanket for the organization. There's a base level. Your leaders will know, for instance, you know, Max's group and the fact that you're at 70%. We know that that piece is going to be taken care of. That's not fair for everybody because they're, they're an anomaly first question is what is max doing that's making his team an anomaly wouldn't that be nice if they actually asked that um and some training but it has to be something where you have to recognize what's the lowest common denominator and who's going to get left behind because if they are a good person if they are capable of learning if they are the optimist competitive growth-minded person there are things they have to learn so here's the here's the other side of this retention and attrition is so prevalent. Everybody is talking about, you know, the, the great resignation and hiring people and how difficult it is. And recruiters are calling in from third party companies because you don't even have recruit, like your, your recruiters can't find enough people. So you're going to outside agencies trying to bring people in to work. Mm -hmm. You bring somebody brand new into a business with no experience and you give them that 150% goal they fail in the first 90 days and they leave because they're completely defeated. The best indicator for me as to whether or not that goal was something, A, that was possible, let alone sustainable, was what it did to the morale of the team that I was leading. And you have to pay attention and listen. You have to use situational leadership and meet them where they are at and understand that if they are feeling deflated at the fact that like, man, I barely hit that goal last month and I can't keep that kind of pace up, month in and month out welcome to the burnout factory Mm -hmm. and there are things you can do and you can talk to your own leaders and you can have conversations you can raise the the flag and ask the questions asking difficult questions as a manager or i like to call them awkward questions Mm -hmm. those are the things that i believe that we're there for but yeah you can see the writing on the wall sometimes where a company is going to just take a huge hit or People are going to start to do unscrupulous things. And I'm telling you right now, if you create a situation where people have to work against the grain of their values in order to be successful, you have fun with your training classes because you're going to be doing lots and lots and lots of them as people leave you for corporations that actually value them as a human being. Or if they make it, they're going to be one of the people's people that gets fired when your ass gets fired because they were they were right along with it. They were complicit. So I have some suggestions around sales goals from the top all the way down to the lower levels of middle management. My first piece of advice will say, and this applies to every single level, ask the people who are in actually in the trenches. Talk to those who are doing the job. If you wanna raise a goal, go talk to the people who are hitting your goals in the first place and go, what do you think? What, what would happen do you think if, you know, and don't just ask the top performers. That's not fair. No. <laughs> Get yourself a good, solid sample size. Go from the top to the bottom. Whoever your bottom performers are, they're just as important. Go, why is this so hard for you? Is this a job fit situation or do you feel like this is impossible? And then you collect enough data so that you get a range of responses and you're probably going to find some commonalities. No matter what, the the pro tip is always ask questions get curious we've said it millions of times i know it's exaggeration but we've said it a lot on this podcast (laughs) it might might be over the last decade um 
get curious because there there's answer, answers in them that are fields. So here's here's pro tip number two. Again, starting from the top. If you have control over sales goals, set a goal that is challenging but meetable to the mean, to the general average, and then reward for above and beyond. Don't keep jacking up the average. If, you, if you've set 100% at a certain amount, the only reason that number should raise is for inflation. That is the only reason that number should go up is because you have to factor in the costs of doing business, the raising rates of employment that you should be paying to make sure that your people are rewarded for their efforts. That's the only reason you should be raising sales goals and then you reward the shit out of the people who are willing to go well above and beyond 100%. You pay them more, you give them commission. That's one of the things that I enjoyed about sales was if I did a good job, I got paid a bunch more money. That's not that's not the case in just customer service. Yeah, and a transparent <laughs> and honest conversation with a top sales employee who has been crushing it for six months, who needs to take the foot off the gas because maybe they, they need, need to, to take, take a breath. <laughs> yeah, they need to take care of an aging parent or they had a new baby or somebody goes out on maternity leave for two or three months and comes back to work and there's a ramp up. When you're dealing with the above and beyond extra, that's something that they make that decision of, I can still hit my base goals, I can still make a living, and that ebb and flow, even that provides that relief emotionally, and it is emotional relief. Next next step, if you're, if you're in the middle and you're dealing with sales goals, and targets, and behaviors, same, same tip, ask questions, get curious, um, but if you're in this situation, so we, we've kind of we're, we're working our way down into the middle layers, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a bunch of steps and say if you're dealing with sales goals, we've already talked about one of my pro tips, which is if in your gut this feels like it's unsustainable, start start peeling those eyes, start looking for another gig because my experience is when it feels unsustainable, you're probably right, it probably is unsustainable, and that company is heading for a big fall and. That's, that's your choice to stay if you want to. Or if you have if you have the luxury of having a channel to the top or somebody who will listen and say, listen, man, this doesn't, I'm working with the trench. I'm working with the people on the ground floor and they are telling me that this feels grueling and I've talked to some other leaders and I've gained, gathered some data. If you can do that, do that. By all means, try, try to get word and say, Listen, there we can Google this. There are other companies that have fallen because of these kinds of practices. So let's not let's not be one of those companies. But I'd like to give some practical advice too. Um, if you are in a team or on a team that involves sales goals, and maybe you're struggling a little bit with getting your team to meet said sales goals, step number one is go listen to episodes one through five. How to build trust and camaraderie and loyalty in your team because I'm not kidding that will take care of everything that ails your team. Every problem can be solved if your team is cohesive. If you've already done that step, you've already listened to everything, you're already trying to put that stuff into place and now you're looking for some practical application, I have a couple of thoughts. One of the things that I would like to do, if you are in a company where the sales targets equals commission or bonus or incentive pay, Leverage that to the best of your ability by starting with what are the goals of the people on your team. And if you have any level of trust with them, 
that should be easy. That should be a no brainer to go. What, what kind of stuff do you like to do? Do you like to go camping? Is there some gear you got your eye on? Is there a trip you want to take? Is there a motorcycle you want to buy? You should know this stuff by now of your team. That's that may seem trivial and silly to you, but it ain't. <laughs> yeah. Again, meeting people where they're at, it might seem trivial where you are at as a leader or a manager. Maybe you've already accomplished some of those things. Right. The the Wiffum conversation. What's in it for me? What's in it for right? me? Uh, it is amazing to me over and over again how motivating it can be to take that motorcycle that you want that is going to take a solid commission for a year of that extra eleven, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a month. So you're talking about ten or fifteen grand, right? And to pin that on the wall in front of you at work and to have that there. And it's not some esoteric thing or some cheesy thing. It's it's the reframe. It's where you're starting to burn out in the afternoon and maybe your customer service level isn't where it should be. And you look at it and you see that and it drives you. It's why I have pictures of my children on my desk. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm ever having a, a struggle just with even focus, eh, I got to stay focused. Here's why. Yeah, it's it is understandable and tenable to have external motivational factors if if you're feeling winded willpower is a finite resource everybody if you didn't know that it, it's there are there are rumors of legends um that are true because of this like for instance bill gates wore the same thing over and over because he did not want to spend a single second of his mighty willpower on choosing what the hell to wear for the day so he always just wore his that steve steve jobs you're right. Apple. Steve Jobs. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Bill Gates. <laughs> My apologies. That's Steve Jobs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guy wore the same thing over and over so that he did not have to decide what to wear every he day. Literally in an interview said, that's one less decision I have to make in a day. Because willpower is finite. He, he's he, You got to tap that resource just to decide what you're wearing. So if you think of it as a cup of water and every time you have to make a decision, you got to take a sip. At some point, that cup will runneth out. <laughs> That's, that's interesting. Uh, I, I'm going to draw a parallel to what I said earlier about, um, you know, the setup of a customer and saying something to the effect of while I'm in the account, if I can see anywhere where I can do this better for you and it would be a, a better fit or save you money, I'll make sure I point it out to and then get that. Like, does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely. No, I don't want you to tell me that that was something that I didn't have to think about when I, when I went through my, what I called the call tree, First, it was my greeting. It was acknowledging whatever the problem was. And then it was that statement. And I did it every single time. And I think my closure rate at one point was like, I think the best I ever did was like 65%. That means six out of 10 people that called in to ask a billing question bought something or rearranged their account with things like cell phone, TV, high-speed internet, home phone, all of that. And, and that's exactly what that was. I did it every single time, so I didn't have to think about it. I just had to follow the branches on that tree and sell like crazy. Tip number two, get buy-in from the employee who has the goal to meet by asking them what they think they're capable of. So if this is a brand new person, have them pick an arbitrary number. If let's say, I'm just, unfortunately, I don't know whoever's listening. I don't know your exact business and whatever your exact numbers and units and whatever. So I'm, I'm using generic numbers on purpose. Let's say the goal is a hundred percent, whatever that means. 
And that seems like a steep climb for them. So you ask them, well, what do you think you can do? And if they go, you can tell. And, and again, if you've done the steps and you are getting to know your people, you can tell when somebody's underselling and they go, I think I can do 50%. And you go, yeah, bullshit. Come on. Stop. <laughs> stop dicking around and tell me what you actually think you can do because I'm going to honor it. I'm truly, I'm going to honor it. If you tell me 85%, even though the company wants 100, tell me 85. I will defend you. I will protect you as long as you are working your ass off to get 85%. And if they go, yeah, all right, I think I can do 85%. There is a technique that I used to use, which is I would negotiate. Like, okay, you're telling me 85. Does that mean it's possible that you could hit 90? Like, if you think you can do 85, what if I gave you some extra training, some extra time? You know, I mentored you. Do you think that if you're striving for 85 and I'm helping you every step of the way, do you think you could hit 90? That's, that's a tip just for you guys. That's a technique that I used to use. It worked a lot. And Nine times out of 10, when I did that, not only would they hit 90, they would hit 100. Like if I can push them just, if I can convince them that pushing just a little extra bit is possible, again, within within the boundaries of policy, procedure, and legality, if I can train you, because it's clearly possible. Like look at the rest of my team. All these people are doing 110, 120. So it's obviously possible to do it. And you're going to be sitting next to these people and listening to them. So you're going to know that it's able to be done within the boundaries of policy and procedure and legality. You're going to hear it, how it's done. You're going to be surrounded by excellence. So if you can tell them, like, listen, if you can take my word for this and you're going to get the extra help, they'll find their way. And generally speaking, they're like, all right, fine. I'll shoot for 90. You know, you, you got me. Okay. I'll shoot for 90. And then, and then almost always, almost every time, they would land that hundred percent. And then I'm like, all right, well you hit hundred and you were shooting for 85. So now do you think you could do one Oh five? And at some point, but here's the other side of that coin. At some point, leave them the hell alone. Once you have gotten them to the company mandated goal and they might even start making some extra money. If the extra money is not incentivizing them to do any better, they're happy to hit hundred percent. They don't need that bonus check. Leave them alone. Yeah, They're hitting the minimum. That's fine as if that's what they want. Now, the person who got a little taste of that extra incentive and they're like, ooh, that's tasty. I, I like that <laughs> extra bonus check. Like, all right, now what do you want to hit? That's another – that's that's the next layer of this. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I think it's really interesting because we're talking today about the concept concept of sales and, and goals in a sales environment. And, you know, I have – a lot of experience as a sole contributor in sales, a manager in sales, and even more so in customer service. And this applies to customer service and knowing your people, setting them up for success. What you're hearing though, when you are asking them to hit these goals that are sales goals, that are driving the dollars into the company, that are paying everybody else's salary, those are the things that their role does for everyone else. It's really important to put it in the context of hitting these goals allows me to do things that I can't do otherwise. For instance, pulling you off the phone, giving you training, giving you opportunities to coach others and develop. If you can couple what they're doing and if they learn a new skill and incorporate in working and developing others to learn that skill that they just mastered, 
that level of engagement is completely different because you don't just have skin in the game for setting the goal. You don't just have somebody taking pride in the fact that they're good at their job. Now you have somebody who is on a growth path. They're fulfilling and closing the gaps and the skills they need to become a manager, become a leader, to move into a different department. It takes on this whole other facet of them being a representative of not just themselves or not just selling something, but who they are as a person and how they're going to fulfill their dreams and their goals. It's, it's so much more powerful than just a sales goal when you incorporate in these other factors of development. Agreed. Did you have any other tips or things that you thought we should address um, on this topic? Yeah, I think, I think in the sales environment, um, as a leader, you know, let's, let's look at it from your perspective for a bit too. You have a goal that you have to hit. And let's say that your goal is 105%. And you know that you have people on your team that are capable of 110, 120, and they're going to get that extra. You have people on your team who are either struggling or new, particularly new in a lot of cases, that might only be capable of 80, 85, 90%. What's really important is that you don't go into the pitfall of driving everybody to hit that same level, you need to know who your sales leaders are. You need to know who's up and coming and leading and, and who needs to develop. And you need to look at it in that balance for you to hit your goal. If I have two people on my team, just to make the math really easy, and my goal is to hit 100% and I get my standard bonus. If I have somebody at 120% and somebody at 80%, I hit. Mm-hmm. You don't need to make it some personal thing with the person that's at 80% and grind them and grind them and grind them. It's a process. It takes time. You need to be even keel and transparent. Go to your leaders on your team. And there are people out there, and it's amazing. These these We've, we've referred to them as soldiers. They love the idea of this month's going to be a tough one, and I need you to hit 115%. Like... I'm asking you if you can do it. Yeah, I can do it just for one month. I'm going to spend my time working with your peers, you know, so that I can bring them up to speed while you're crushing it. Thank you, because you you need to recognize the people on your team that are superior to the others and what they do free you up as a leader to develop others and bring them up and get to that point where you've got this bulletproof team. If you're spending all of your time trying to work with your top performers and make them better and better and better, and you're neglecting people who are struggling, you've literally got it flipped around backwards. Um, And then when you have that bulletproof team and you've done all the steps that we talk about, about building a cohesive team in episodes one through five, and you can see things start to turn where they're taking ownership and they have skin in the game, that really is the part where it is a whole bunch of fun. And if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. Quick summary of what we've covered for this kind of stuff from whether you're running a company or whether you're running a team. Number one, with a bullet, listen to your gut. If you see things going down a bad path and you feel like it's not... Like it's not right. Start asking questions. Um, but it, ultimately, if you see a company that is dragging itself through the mud or preparing to drag itself through the mud, see if there's anything you can do. And if there isn't anything you can do, then 
um, it reminds me of a of a thing I've heard before, which is change your job or change your job. If you can't, you know, go forth to try to change the job, meaning try to change them, seeing how they're doing things. If you can't do that, then change with the job that you have and go get another one, if that's possible. Leads me to number two, get curious. This is almost always the answer to just about everything. Ask questions, whether you're trying to inquire whether or not a goal is executable, whether or not you think that something is right or wrong, like go ask questions. Number three, and this definitely applies if you are running a company, set a goal based on what is necessary for the profits for your company to survive, leave it, and then incentivize anything above and beyond that. Incentive programs can be huge, especially for people who actually like sales. Number three, now we're getting down into the leaders who are leading sole contributors or the the people who are actually executing the sales with them. What's in it for me? Find out what their goals and dreams are. Find out what they want, the stuff. It doesn't matter. Nothing's off the table. Even if they say, I want to be running the company one day. Great. How do we get you there? Well, I can tell you one of the ways is by you crushing these sales goals. Now let's find out how to do that within the boundaries of policy, procedure, and legality yada yada how do we get you the thing whatever the thing is the next thing is get their buy-in and then push a little this is part of getting curious what do you think you can do if you think you can do this could you perhaps do a little bit more Uh, what if i'm helping you every step of the way what if i get you some extra expertise by mentors from your peers and so on and then the last thing and i didn't mention this but this is super crucial when somebody attains their goal. Let me be clear about that. Let's use the example where I said somebody thought they could do 85 and I pushed them to 90. If they hit 85, I'm going to celebrate the shit out of that. I am going to make them feel like they are the monarch of the planet for hitting their goal. And it only escalates from there. If they actually hit 90, my goal, it only gets better. I'll throw a damn party. Anybody who hits their goals must be celebrated. If you are going to pay attention to when they fail, you must pay attention to when they succeed. In fact, spend more effort on that because what you focus on is what you bring about for yourself. And if you pay a whole bunch of attention to them not making it, guess what they're, guess what you're communicating? Like that's, that's when they get the attention good, bad, or otherwise. Sometimes that's just what people are looking for. They just want to get attention. Anyway, there's no, there's not really any downside that I can think of to celebrating the bejesus out of somebody who is hitting their goals, the ones that they set for themselves because that's that's important to them, that's a landmark for them. Mm-hmm.